Hello, are you clever with history and maths? You might learn something today on Search for Truth, your Bible teaching programme with teacher Brian Johnston. Because as I told you last week, Brian has been presenting the Bible's good news of the Gospel in different ways in this series of studies and from different standpoints. And as I said just now, we look into a bit of history and some mathematics. And Brian's study today is called the lever of the gospel. We've all used a lever at some time, whether it be on a seesaw or the manual gear shift in a car. So how does this apply to the Bible's gospel or good news message? Well, let's go to Brian to find out. Thanks, John. Leading the siege of Syracuse was a Roman general, Marcus Claudius Marcellus, whose nickname was the Sword of Rome. When Marcellus brought his troops and the Roman navy up against the citadel of Syracuse, the Romans encountered war machines, the like of which they'd never seen. These were weapons of destruction far more sophisticated than anything which the Romans themselves had ever invented. Now, one of those war machines was as astonishing as it was terrifying to the Roman navy. For as their ships approached the cliffs outside Syracuse, the sailors looked up and saw huge jaws descending from the sky. These jaws came down and would grip a Roman ship, hoist it a hundred feet into the air, and then release it so that ship and crew were dashed against the rocks. The Romans couldn't believe their eyes when they saw such ropes and metal being manipulated by these new technical marvels of pulleys and levers. Eventually, however, the Romans were victorious, and General Marcellus gave the command that the engineer who developed these new weapons was to be unharmed when and if he was found. But as a Roman soldier approached the engineer, as he was sitting with other prisoners, he found him passing the time by doing mathematical equations in the sand. The man was so absorbed in calculation that he didn't notice it was a Roman soldier who was approaching him. Without taking his eyes off his calculations in the sand, he said, Be careful, don't disturb my diagrams. And the Roman soldier killed him on the spot. And thus, Archimedes met his death. Greek by birth, born in 287 BC, in Syracuse, to Greek parents, educated in Alexandria, Egypt, Archimedes went on to become a remarkable mathematician, an exacting engineer, a brilliant inventor, a master craftsman, a skillful builder, and something of a philosopher. It was the same Archimedes who, after figuring out the laws of buoyancy while stepping into his bathtub, ran straight out into the streets naked, shouting, Eureka! or I found it! Archimedes defined the principle of the lever and is credited with inventing the pulley. We're talking about one of the most brilliant men of all time. You may have heard of the words he spoke to the king of Syracuse on one occasion. He said, Give me a lever long enough and a place to stand and I will move the whole world. A little over 200 years after Archimedes made that statement, a lever was indeed found 
that could move the world. Revealed in the gospel of the cross of Christ is the power of God, which alone is able to right a topsy-turvy world. It was the message of the cross which created the necessary leverage that continues to change the world. In Acts chapter 17 and verse 6 we read, These men who have turned the world upside down. That was referring to Paul and Silas, who used that same gospel lever to turn the ancient world upside down. By the way, when the Bible speaks of turning the world upside down, as we said already, it's really speaking in terms of turning the world the right side up. For we live in a topsy-turvy world, a world where all around us the wicked prosper and the righteous suffer, where sin is often exalted and virtue is mocked. Ever since the Garden of Eden, this world has been the wrong way up. And the message of Christianity is about what God has done through the cross of Christ to turn the world the right way up again. Let's let the Apostle Paul in the Bible expand on the revolutionary or countercultural ideas of the Christian message. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 18. For the word of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, and the cleverness of the clever I will set aside. Where is the wise man? Where is the scribe? Where is the debater of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world through its wisdom did not come to know God, God was well pleased through the foolishness of the message preached to save those who believe. For indeed, Jews ask for signs and Greeks search for wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified to Jews a stumbling block and to Gentiles foolishness, but to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God, and the wisdom of God. You'll have noticed the upside-down character of the Christian message as Paul expands on it there. The world's wisdom is poles apart from God's wisdom, and at the centre of the conflict stands the cross of Christ. The world's verdict on Christ stands recorded at the cross, and by the verdict which it decidedly expressed there when they said, Away with him! This world stands judged before God, because through the apparent folly of a dying man, a man who was dying a criminal's death, God has revealed real wisdom and power, which are for the forgiveness from guilt of all who believe. Paul continues on this theme of the gospel into the next chapter, into 1 Corinthians chapter 2. So let's take it a bit further. And when I came to you, brethren, he said, I did not come with superiority of speech or of wisdom, proclaiming to you the testimony of God, for I determined to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling, and my message and my preaching were not in persuasive words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power. Let me just pause there again. Paul's just talked about the testimony of God, the cross of Christ, and the power of the Spirit. God the Father, 
God the Son and God the Spirit are involved in giving this message its great leverage through the cross, giving it its power to move the world and overturn human opinion. But we'll let Paul say a little more. He says, so that your faith would not rest on the wisdom of men, but on the power of God. Yet we do speak wisdom among those who are mature. A wisdom, however, not of this age, nor of the rulers of this age who are passing away, but we speak God's wisdom in a mystery, the hidden wisdom which God predestined before the ages to our glory, the wisdom which none of the rulers of this age has understood. But if they had understood it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. We talked a moment ago about toppling human opinion. Heaven's view of the death of Christ at the cross is totally different from Earth's. Like the ancient Greeks, the world in its intellectual pride still disregards the cross as insignificant. And like the Jews of old, the world in its religious systems of thought has emptied the cross of its power. The Bible language here invites us to say that God has in fact scandalised the world at the cross by the death of Christ, his son. Attitudes to the death of Christ expose fundamental misunderstandings of what God has achieved through the cross. But the cross does make sense. Not only that, but it's the only thing that can make sense of everything. This is the phenomenal leverage of the Christian message of the cross. There's a deep wisdom which God reveals here, one which plumbs the depths of God and eternity, which is why Paul now says, but just as it is written, things which eye has not seen and ear has not heard and which have not entered the heart of man, all that God has prepared for those who love him. For to us, God revealed them through the Spirit, for the Spirit searches all things, even the depths of God. For who among men knows the thoughts of a man except the spirit of the man which is in him? Even so, the thoughts of God no one knows except the spirit of God. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, so that we may know the things freely given to us by God. The Roman navy saw things they'd never seen before at Syracuse when they came up against Archimedes' levers and pulleys. When God's spirit gives you biblical insight into the meaning of Christ's death as it stands forever at the centre of God's purposes for the human race, you too will see undreamt of things. There's such a depth to the meaning of the cross that the most brilliant academic mind and the most impressive oratory won't even scratch the surface. Indeed, they'll miss the mark completely. If I can't read even your thoughts, how can I, or you, read God's thoughts? And we need to do precisely that if we are to appreciate the cross of Christ. That's why the preaching of the Christian message in its power to change and bring leverage depends vitally on the operation of God's Spirit, with the person of the Holy Spirit communicating through the preacher.
Many thanks for your talk today, Brian. And if you've a question about any of the talks in the series, then do write in to sft at churchesofgod.info and discuss it with Brian. I'd like to remind you as well that there's a transcript book of all the talks in this series, which would be helpful if you want to pursue further study. Firstly, it's available online. You can obtain one by downloading a copy from churchesofgod.info forward slash media. Alternatively, you can write to us and request a hard copy book be posted to you. Just ask for the title, It's Not Fake News. You can use email or the post. And here's our address. Search for Truth, Hayes Press, The Barn, Flaxlands, Royal Wootton Bassett, Swindon, SN48DY, UK. Our email address is sft at churchesofgod.info. Once again, many thanks for giving us your time today and for the pleasure of your company. I hope your week ahead goes well and I'd be delighted if you join me again this time next week to hear our next talk in this series, which is called From Pearl Harbour to the Pearly Gates. But for now, it's goodbye and best wishes from our Bible teacher Brian, producer David, our singers and me, John. So see you again soon and in the meantime... We wish you God's richest blessings.